So Patty, today we talked about conversational commerce. I love that term. Isn't that great? Yes. Yeah, very interesting. And of course, we, we had Everywhere On several years ago, but they've done so many really creative, cool things with pay by text and uh, just a lot of other things that we discussed in this one and kind of coined this term of conversational commerce. Um, and so I'm really excited about that uh, particular interview. And then I talk about follow-up. And so right. very practical, whether you're a sales agent or you're a manager, I talked to you about that, an easy system that you can use a few steps to manage follow-up and make sure that follow-up is getting done effectively and efficiently. And then talk to us about the insiders. And then I talk about on the channel and, uh, you know, the emergence of um, alternatives and how, and you and James and I get into a discussion about how the industry really needs to uh, take control of the pie, or as I put it, the wallet. Yeah, exactly. A wallet share as an external threat is a really, really big deal. So yeah. I want to mention here that uh, neither Kevin or Everywhere are in any way sponsoring or uh, paying or doing consulting or any of those types of things. It's just an interview with a great industry expert. So with that disclaimer in mind, let's dive in. Welcome to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Hey, everybody. James and I are here today with uh, Kevin Fegan from Everywhere. How are you doing today, Kevin? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks for having me, James. And oh, thanks for being on. I, I I ran into some of your, actually, I was at MWAA and uh, one of your folks and I, we kept crossing. Meet me at the yeah. <laughs> registration desk and I'd be at the one registration desk and he'd be at another one. And we kept oh, yeah. going back and forth like this. So you know how those things go. Oh, yes. you know how those yes. things are. So I was really happy that I got to sit down and talk with you all last week and, yeah. and line you up for this podcast because I think, you know, you have some interesting things going on. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. We're, uh, so we're I know everywhere has been on the podcast in the past. I believe your founder, Larry, was uh, interviewed maybe two years ago. A couple by years us. ago. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. When I came on board. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah. I thought it was a couple of years ago. Um, this obviously is your first time on our podcast. So how about maybe you give our audience a feel for who you are, you know, how you got into merchant acquiring sure. and how you got to everywhere in particular? a long and boring story, Patty, but I'll, I'll, I'll try to I'll try to make it quick for you. I, I was born into payments. So my dad got me into payments back in high school. Um, really? Started, yeah. I started with a company called Data, uh, Data Transfer and then it evolved into online uh -huh. with ODC. So um, that crew had been together for quite some time. And we uh, we spun out a piece of technology out of that company called BluePay, which I'm, Great. You know, I'm sure you've heard of BluePay. A lot of your listeners, I'm sure Sure. Um, heard of it, been one of the most successful, you know, ISOs or, or fintechs in our space for quite some time. So did everything that you could possibly think of there to set an appointments up to executive leadership, um, had a few successful exits. Um, you know, after that, I wanted to take a stab at not working at, you know, my dad's company, right. Or, or somebody, right. the family's company and go out and do it on my own. So we, uh, we built and sold a company called eSecure Payments um, with a, with a, with a business partner of mine. That was a ton of fun. And then I'm like, you know what? I got to get back into corporate America. So Greg Cohen, Joe Kaplan pulled me into uh, Sage Payments and we rebranded that to Paya. Um, that was a pretty cool story. And then, Remember that, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, went on to FIS to to kind of run their FinTech division. And then right right when I got there, we made that small acquisition of, of WorldPay. So my group <laughs> got tucked into that big giant ecosystem, right? And, uh, right. you know, the way I got connected to everywhere is we were trying to find a solve for what Larry and the crew were doing here. Um, and, and that's when I got connected to Larry and he's like, you know what, why don't you come down to Austin have a beer with me and let's, uh, let's see if we can make something work. And turns out we just, uh, you know, I, I didn't choose everywhere. I chose, I chose Larry and, um, it was just, uh, it was the right fit. And then, you know, three hours later I was calling FIS saying, Hey, you know what, corporate America might, might not be for me anymore. Let's, uh, I want to go back and build something. So 
Yeah. Uh, two years later, two and a half years later, here we are. Wow. Excellent. That's awesome, man. Well, so what I would love to hear, and it's been a little while again, since we, we had talked, uh, you know, with the company there, but tell us really kind of what everywhere does, how does it work? What are some of the benefits of text to pay? Um, you know, how, how do you, how do you pitch it to people that are in our industry? So they understand what you do. Sure. Yeah. So everywhere got its, its, its name in the text to pay space, right. During COVID and all that stuff to where right. contactless payments was, was at the tip of the spear is at the forefront. Right. But um, make no mind, everywhere is a full-blown payments platform. Um, mm. Money in, money out, money movement, you name it. Um, Text2Pay is still our MVP. And, and we use that as a beachhead to get involved with certain you know, ISVs, ISOs, agents, you name it. Um, but everywhere is a full-blown acquirer and, and, and processor as well. Um, there's a couple cool things that we're doing with identity and issuing and wallets that we'll get into in a little bit. But um, yeah, it's. I mean, things are going well. We've seen a We've seen a shift coming out of COVID. People are going back to the way that, you know, that, that they did business previous to that. But in se select few industries, there's a, there's still a giant, giant need for, for text to pay healthcare, automotive, education, non-for-profits, things like that. And mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's been a really fun ride. We've grown about 800% in the last two years. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy what we've been able to do. If you don't mind though, Kevin, maybe explain to our audience exactly what text to pay, or I believe you guys, excuse me, you folks refer to it as uh, pay by text, pay by, by text, right? Just, you know, because I, I'm not sure everybody has a clear understanding of exactly what that is. Sure. I'll give you an example. When you go to the doctor, right? You go to the doctor, you come in and you, you pay a copay with a, with, with your plastic credit card, right? It's, it's not about that, right? It's, it's about what happens after that. There's always a post adjudicated, co you know, payment or something like that. People want to be able to communicate with their their merchants a lot better, right? And we figured out a way to do that with conversational commerce. So we'll send, you know, a text. Hi, Patty, how are you? This is Dr. Bob. Your bill is, you know, 450 bucks. Please reply one or reply yes to use card 4111 on file. Um, if it's your first time, we'll go in and you'll click on the link and, and go to the portal and enter all your stuff in. But after that, it's full transparent conversational commerce to where it's just a, a yes or hit, hit one. Okay. Okay. That, yeah, that, that makes it a little bit clearer. I like, I like know, that term. I like that term. I never heard that for conversational commerce. That's actually really yeah. cool. Yeah. I like yeah. That that's term. kind of a tagline we've, 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 we've used the last few years. Um, you know, we, what we learned coming out of COVID is that our customers, the merchants really didn't know their consumers as well as they thought they did, yeah. how mm -hmm. they wanted to communicate, how they wanted to transact, things like that. So, um, by leveraging the mobile phone where a text message is read and responded to within 90 seconds, where it's an email, a phone call, snail right. mail, what have you. Um, we found that that's the preferred method of communication for, you know, 85, 90% of people. Right. So yeah, having sure. the ability to do commerce over your mobile phone is we feel that it's it's here now and then the way of the future. Hey, one yeah. of the questions I, if I could ask real quick before I move on to the other sure. stuff, I'm just curious, like to what extent are you guys in the card present world? I mean, I know obviously your transactions are all card not present technically, but I, but what I mean by that is, you know, to what extent are you serving more, you know, service businesses and things of that nature, which seem like an obvious fit with the pay by text versus, sure. you know, restaurant retail, some of those types of things. Like talk about that a little bit as far as the yeah. mix of verticals. Good, good question, James. So, so again, like I said, at the beginning of the pod, you know, everywhere is a full-blown payment provider, right? So right. we do card, card present. Uh, we have terminals that we've integrated into. Um, mm. we've done a couple of really cool things with the Clover device. So Clover, we do have a pay by text tender key on okay. the Clover device to where you could either swipe, dip, chip, oh, wow. or hit the pay by text for online orders or whatnot, something, and then mm. a text will spit to their phone and they could transact that way. But we, I mean, we do the full gamut, right? So if you have retail sure. customers, 
um, restaurant, retail, anything like that, we can provide the POS systems and the terminals as well. Not our bread and butter, but I mean, we feel like the way of the future is we're trying to replace those, right? So, right. Um, but we're not naive. I, I don't think plastic or terminals are going away tomorrow. Right. We feel they might be going away in the next five, 10 years. And that's where, you know, we feel the mobile phone is going to take over. Hmm. Yeah, that's like a whole, uh, we, who is that we were talking to, Patty? There's somebody we had a whole episode about this, uh, or maybe it was a question from the field I was doing, but yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. I mean, I think the timeline obviously is the big variable, but that idea that oh. we're, we're all carrying around this, this computer in our pocket, that's so powerful. Yeah. Do we, do we really need a big box to tie it all together or maybe it's a there's terminal. a terminal? It's a terminal. It's a, it's the way we run our lives. Right. I mean, right, that's, right. that's the way, I mean, I don't carry a wallet anymore. Right. I mean, right. Everything, everything's in my everything's in my phone. I have my ID attached to the back of it. We're we're all good to go. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, let's talk. Just go back a little bit. I know we touched on the pandemic, but I'm wondering. You know, we obviously saw a huge uptick in contactless payments um, during the pandemic. Uh, for example, uh, what's been the what was the the impact on your business of the pandemic? I mean, I would think you saw some really. You know, I know you mentioned an increase but i wasn't sure if that was over the uh, pandemic period or not yeah no it, it yes and no um you know our our, our strategy was the one to many versus the one to one but the pandemic really put us on the map being able to do that and 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 really get a beachhead with some of these large recognizable recognizable isds of the space mm-hmm. that really didn't want to build it or buy it instead of they they wanted to partner with it right so we would mm-hmm. use the text to pay as mm-hmm. a beachhead show them everything else that we could do in, in, in FinTech. And, and that's how we, you know, we won a, a ton of that business and, and we're able to grow um, mm-hmm. the way that we've grown the last couple of years. Uh, again, healthcare, automotive, non-for-profit, education, uh, travel, um, you know, a lot of really cool industries that, that we solved the problem for with text to pay during COVID that mm-hmm. either adopted it, kept it. And then we, 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 you know, we moved on from there, but um, yeah, it, it COVID for sure put us on the map and put put everybody aware of what contact payments were and right. kind of what the future holds with uh you know with the mobile phone. Well, let's then segue to your latest um, partnership with Sunbit. Um, yeah. To provide buy now pay later, I just find this very intriguing. Buy now pay later on text to pay. Um, That's it. Pay by That's text, it. whatever. But can you talk about how this, inter- you know, about the integration and how it works? Yeah, sure. So the the hottest buzzwords coming out of the last, I'd say, two years are BNPL and pay by text, right? So we figured right. instead of, we, we took the other approach, right? Instead of building it ourselves, we went out and found what we thought the best, the, the payment, the market leader in, in BNPL. And they were really revolutionizing some some verticals that we wanted, wanted to be in, automotive especially. Um, but mm-hmm. that now they're moving into healthcare and things like that. But it's it's the first BNPL solution by text um, out there, which is super cool. So, you know, the way it works is, I don't know if you're familiar with Care Credit or, or mm-hmm. one of the, the, the big market leaders, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, Synchrony and, and, and them. Great company, like I said. But, you know, the, the application process was a bit clunky. So right. we were able to do it via the mobile phone. You get approved in, in two minutes versus 20 um, you know, it's a different credit check, things like that. But then what was cool about it is the consumer knew what they were able to spend while going into the facility, whether it be a, a doctor's office, a vet, an automotive facility, what have you. Um, so just the, the consumer was much more prepared. The, the merchant was much more prepared. Um, and it's all done via the, our, our, our text platform. So, so um, go ahead. 
So as a consumer, then I would go on and make this application before I went to the to the store. Yeah, absolutely. And you, we would send you the text with the SunVet application in it. You'd fill out your stuff. You'd say, okay, Patty, you've been approved for $5,000. Well, you're getting uh -huh. a new transmission, a new engine, whatever. Maybe you need brakes too. Right. Not sure, but, you know, and that and that goes across multiple verticals. Um, you know, hmm. your car, your vet, um, you know, well, those All large bills I that really, <laughs> yeah, those large bills that really pop up, right? I mean, right. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I think that, um, well, those two that you mentioned, automotive and veterinary, and I would imagine other types of healthcare yep. um, would be really logical markets. Uh, I'm sure there's some others out there you could probably- For sure. Anything patient, like heavy patient responsibility, right? So orthodontics or, um, you know, spine and pain or, or cosmetic, um, cosmetic healthcare stuff, right? I mean, sure. you know- Exactly. I mean, those those are all very large tickets, and and sometimes the folks don't have the out of pocket out of pocket cash to expense that. So this gives them a better option to uh, to do that, which which we're we're happy about. Yeah, you know, I, I would love to. Uh, this is I'm kind of making a detour here, but I would love to yeah. to zoom out a little bit. I'm sure this is a conversation that you and Larry have had at length, but I'm I'm just curious your thoughts on this. Like when you talk about conversational commerce. And this idea of, you know, transacting via text, uh, messenger, right, whatever it might be. Yep. Um, how far do you see that going versus the kind of mobile app experience, right? So like when you think about how, you know, so, so let's assume for a second, we'll, we'll talk crazy for a minute and imagine a world where there's no point of sale system. So, sure. you know, I go to a restaurant, I go to a retail store, there is no point of sale. Uh, there's nobody manning the register. There's none of that. Like, let's just say we're in a future world and that just doesn't exist anymore. As a consumer, what am I doing on my phone? How much of it is I'm texting back and forth with an AI or with the whatever pre-created script there is for this transaction and requesting items or whatever versus I'm opening up a, you know, the mobile app uh, and going through a mobile app experience or, you know, something like that. I'm just kind of curious your thoughts on where do you see those trends going as far as the switch to, to mobile phones kind of being the, the center of commerce? Yeah, we've taken a long, hard look at it and, and did a lot of R&D on this. And um, people don't want more apps. I mean, everybody's got their apps, right. their banking apps, yep. their, mm -hmm. your Venmo, your Zelle, your cash apps, your Neo banks. Um, you know, I, I, I got a one-year-old and my wife's pregnant again. Those two kids are never going to set foot in the bank, right? All their commerce is going to be done right. through their mobile phone. That's, that's truly what I believe. Um to where though a lot of those apps sit behind a large institution, whether it be a big bank or whatever, where everywhere, what we've done is we sit in front of those institutions, right? With the, just the, we could transact just with the mobile phone um, by by just sending a simple text and that's and having a conversation. And that's where we feel, um, you know, hmm. when when you know this 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 thing here it could be could replace a credit card terminal. That's that's the key of of the you know of the future when you're talking about replacing terminals and the way that commerce is going to be done. Um, you know, we're betting on the phone on both sides, right? Money in, money right. out, and and the and the merchants transacting that way as well. Um, hmm. you know, you're starting to see a lot of that with Stripe and Square and PayPal and, and and some of that stuff. And and you know, those those companies are here to stay. They they know what they're doing. Hmm. Yeah, very. It's yeah. I, I love this this whole debate. It's so interesting to me to kind of see how it's gonna how it's gonna play because it you know it, it really is interesting when you see chat GPT and all that too. I think that kind of opened everybody's eyes a little bit to like what what's possible as far as you oh. know. Uh, a text conversation and things of that nature. So, all right. Yep. Well, so here's my question. So for what you have today, right? So we talk about this pay by text and then it sounds like you've really kind of 
gotten your hooks in with the pay by text, and then you're able to provide full acquiring services and yep. all the other things. So for our audience, which is primarily ISOs and agents, you know, obviously some some fintechs out there and some ISVs and things like that. How exactly do you partner with those companies? And maybe you could talk a little bit about the economic model of why would they partner with you? So maybe you could dive into that a little bit. Sure, sure. Yeah, great question. So we've, we've done uh, a couple hundred integrations and, and partnerships with ISOs agents, some of the, you know, the big, big companies out there today that are very recognizable, right, to where they, they were at a crossroads. Their, their, you know, their acquirer or their bank didn't offer what everywhere was doing. They came to us to solve a problem. Um, a couple ones that are, that are you know, public, public right now is Bank of America. Bank of America chose everywhere as their pay-by-tech solution um, mm. for their 300,000 merchants, right? So wow. it was something that Bank of America needed to solve a problem for. They didn't want to build it. They didn't want to buy it. So they, they partnered with everywhere, right? So, um, you know, for the agent ISO model, we have we have a couple different ways. We're not going to cannibalize your, your the payments revenue, right? Because technically we are an acquirer ourselves and they could look at us as a competitor and right. we didn't want to do that. So we said, okay, we're going to white label and and really take a SaaS approach to the payment companies of the world to mm-hmm. where they can consume our APIs. They're very easily consumable, Larry, and, and the crew did a very good job on, on how to in, inject those into their ecosystem um, and really just give a buy rate. So it's a monthly SaaS buy rate, a per trans fee and a per text fee. And then we could rev share above that, 100% split above that, depending on how the economics work out, what the need for it is. But the benefit is really... I mean, their sales reps make more money. There's more residuals going to the bottom line and, and it's a stickier customer, right? When mm-hmm. you're that integrated, when you start to know your customers and, and your merchants start to know their customers on an intimate level, um, right. that, that's when that's when those merchants turn from, you know, 12 months to to 36, 48 months, right? I mean, you're getting you're getting more more for your uh, bank for your buck there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we I mean, we partner with we're uh, 250 plus uh, agents, ISOs, you know, banks, and- you name them out there today. And- and then just to clarify, one of the things that our audience is always wondering about, talk about the process or agnostic versus in-house. So like, obviously you guys have your own processing and, and all of that, sure. but let's, let's say I'm i I'm already a Pfizer shop or whatever, and I've got my minimums to to hit and I'm, I'm selling, you know, 200 mids a month or something like that. How would I work with you guys uh, while still, would I, can't can I work with you guys? Then how well, would I do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a sip, the, the card, simple card connect credentials, right? Or Clover connect now credentials, right? Right. So, um, you know, we've integrated in, into the big five. Um, we, we are agnostic. Like I said, we don't want to cannibalize your payments revenue. We're trying to enhance it, make a stickier merchant. So, um, I think 98% of, of platforms out there could write everywhere could write to and post back on. So yeah, Mm -hmm. we, we, we knew that, you know, everywhere having a SaaS and a payments play, a lot of our competitors have just gone SaaS because of that reason. Right. Um, you know, we still feel that, you know, payments and and what we're doing with the mobile phone and, and, you know, how we're making the mobile phone number a form of payment um, mm-hmm. with our identity piece and things like that is still acquiring still makes sense for us. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, in terms of cannibalizing any revenue, we don't want to do that for, for the, for the acquirers or agents or ISOs in the world. So we'll, uh, we'll just do a total SAS play. Think of that as like an off.net model, right. To where it's just, right. you know, a buy rate and uh, whatever they sell above it is, is, mm-hmm. you know, is gravy for them. Yeah. Like that's a good way to put it. Actually, you're kind of like a conversational commerce gateway. Uh, that's it. You know. 
right? Oh, I that's like that. that. I'm going to write that one down. Yeah, that's kind uh, of interesting. Say, our, our tagline is if, you know, if Stripe and Twilio had a baby, that would be everywhere, right? So, I mean, we have the fast piece <laughs> and the commerce side. We have the acquiring piece. And you could, you could take whatever chunk out of us you want. But, that's great. Um, yeah, that's I like that's that. a great that's one. Solution. I love it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, man, it's, it's really been uh, intriguing and interesting just talking to you. I love what you guys are doing and always, always seeing good things. Uh, so for those in our audience that want to learn more, they'd like to reach out about partnering with you and, and learn more about the things that you're doing. Where would they go to learn more? Yeah. So everywhere.com. Uh, we have the text widget on there. We have, you know, multiple ways to communicate with us, but everywhere.com uh, you can go right to our sales team. we got a bunch of agents standing by on, on, you know, how to partner with agents, ISOs, and and merchants themselves, right? I mean, we're we're sure. you know we're, we're signing merchants every day and in, in, in all 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 verticals, right? Can't have a name like everywhere and only only and only be in one place. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So um, that's great. Yeah, that that it's it's really easy and and like I said, our folks are great. We're growing like crazy, um, but we're really here to partner with merchants and agents and ISOs and, and just make it a better experience, right? Really get them yeah. to know their merchants better, know their customers better. Um, you know, and, and we feel like, again, we feel it's the way the way the future here. Mm, I love it. And, so and again, that's ahead, everywhere. E-B-E-R-Y-W-A-R-E. Dot com. Dot com. Correct. Spelled like software. Yep. E-B-E-R-Y-W-A-R-E.com. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Great. Absolutely. Man, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today and your insights. I really appreciate you taking the time to share them with our audience. Yeah, yes. James, Patty, it's been great. We really appreciate it. Uh, so do I. Thank you. Yep. Love what you guys are doing for the space. Thanks, everyone. So Patty, if you ask anybody in our industry about interchange relative to residual, what is the impact of interchange on residual? Almost everybody would say interchange is a negative. It is an expense, right? It, mm -hmm. it hurts residuals. The higher the interchange, the lower the residuals. Now you could be doing interchange plus or whatever. But the idea is as right. far as the piece of the pie that you get, interchange cuts out a big piece of that pie. But what if it wasn't? What if it was a revenue stream? So what if you made money, you made residual from the interchange? Well, to do that, mm -hmm. you have to kind of become the bank in a way. You have to be the one doing the issuing. And right. that's exactly what our sponsor, Nativia Banking, provides to ISOs and agents is the ability to sell banking services to their merchants so that when their mm -hmm. merchants go out and spend money on these debit cards, that interchange becomes part of the calculation for residual among other things like balances. Right. Okay? Right. So if you want to learn more about that, the thing I, I've been telling everybody to do is this is the time it's still early. Okay. It's still really, really early. Yeah. This market is, but very, it definitely is the future. It's the future. And if you want to get a glimpse of it today and get started, the first step is very simple. Create your own Neo banking account. When the TV banking, they have their own special kind of banking division. They created for ISOs and agents where you can deposit your residuals. You can get access to low cost capital by like getting advances on residuals. Um, you can manage your residuals better. You can pay sub agents instantly bonuses and residuals through the TV network. So lots of really cool stuff for the ISOs and agents. And you can find out more about that by going to ccsalespro.com slash Nativia, N-E-T-E-V-I-A, ccsalespro.com slash Nativia. Go check it out and open your account today. This is Questions from the Field, brought to you by ccsalespro.com, the leader in merchant sales training and technology. If you're an individual merchant sales professional, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash training to get a free 14-day trial of our all-access pass. 
If you manage a team of merchant sales professionals, visit ccsalespro.com forward slash ISO to learn how we can help you grow. And now, here is Questions from the Field with James Shepard. So, Patty, today in Questions from the Field, I'm going to do one that's just really uh, on my mind since I had a consulting session this morning uh, about a sales team that's been struggling. And a big part of the struggle is just kind of the follow-up. And, mm, yeah. you know, just, and it's kind of this, this idea of just how do we follow up? What's what, you know, when do we follow up? How often do we follow up? How do the managers manage follow up? And, and, you know, right. if you get this wrong, you're not going to make very many sales because the truth of the matter is, as payments becomes more and more complex, we're seeing the one call close, which already was, wasn't very common become nearly non-existent. It's very difficult to, you know, one call close somebody on a, a Clover or on a vertical specific SaaS solution or whatever, right. or on, or on pay by text or, you know, it's like, Usually you got to follow up, right? Um, right. So how do you do it? And I have a really simple formula. I've used it for years uh, with success with a variety of different teams inside, outside, et cetera. So I thought I would just kind of share that with everybody today. Um, Great. So here you go. Are you ready? Uh, number one, you need to make sure that prospects are either active in your pipeline or inactive in your pipeline. Mm-hmm. Now, this sounds obvious, right? And like most things that are important, it's going to sound obvious, but do you execute on it? Meaning, right. if I asked you, show me everybody who's actively in your pipeline that you are proactively trying to sell, does that list exist in some kind of digital environment, some kind of CRM solution? Or do you kind of have a big list of everybody and you're just kind of looking through it as time allows to see who you should work on? Uh, who should I go to today kind of right. thing, yeah. You got to have a well-defined list. That's number one. Number two right. is you have to define an active prospect as someone with what I call a next action step. Okay. okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, a next action step is a little bit different than a task. Uh, usually, it's right. going to be managed the same way as far as in your actual software itself. But the idea of a next action step is that it's very specific. We're going to have a you know time frame for this next action step, right? A, a task you don't necessarily have to have. Uh, you know, a, a time for it. You could just have a ta- task that needs to be done at some point in the future. Yeah, but it's sure. going to be. It's going to be a certain time frame right. um, within the next week, whatever. Yeah. Well, you could, well, we'll talk about that. It could even be a lot yeah. longer, but it, but yeah, you're going to have a, a time frame. You're going to have a direct responsible person for that uh, next action step. And you're going to have a very specific definition of what you're going to do. So let me give you an example. If I said um, I need to follow up with someone next week to see if they're interested, that's not a next action step. That, uh, that sounds more right. like a wish list. A next action right. step is, call bill Tuesday afternoon to discuss the pricing proposal. That's the next action That's step, next right? Step. Very, very specific, right? right. Um, and so we have to have a next action step. So every single prospect, so when I asked you, do you have your list of active versus inactive? The, the follow-up question would be, does every single prospect in your active list have a next action step, a clearly defined next step that you are going to take, right? Um, and, you know, one of my favorite ones, I'll see the, somebody will say, oh yeah, I've got next action steps. And I'll start looking at them and I'll say, what about this one? It says, it says, Susan is going to call me next week. <laughs> I'm like, that's not a next action step for you, right? Nope. And we all know what are the odds that Susan is going to call us? Well, um, pretty slim. Pretty close to zero. <laughs> right. So the question is, what are you going to do Obviously, if Susan calls you on Monday, well, good for you. That's great. But let's assume that she's not, right? What are mm-hmm. you going to do next? And it's like, well, if they don't, if she doesn't call me back by Tuesday, I'm going to reach out. Okay, well, w- should you go out there in person? Should you send an email? Do you, did you connect on LinkedIn? Are you going to call? Are you going to text? And it's like, 
what are you going to do? And you're like, oh, well, I, I guess I would probably text her and try to set up an in-person meeting. Okay, great. We now have a next action step. Right. Text Susan Tuesday afternoon if she hasn't called yet to schedule an in-person meeting. We now have and a next remember, action step. And remember, text her. Do not leave a phone message. Yes. Just to go back to our interview earlier. Yes. No one know? listens to voicemail. Very few people actually read their emails uh, from people they right. don't know anymore. I, I um, you know, so. I tell people all the time, it's like, do not email me. If you really need me, don't call me. Don't email me. Text me. Yeah, but if it's urgent and important, send me a text, right? Yeah. So, so, so that's that. So we have, we have our active list. We've defined active as people with the next action step. So we make yeah. sure that each prospect has the next action step. Now, here's the, here's the, the next one is really important. Always set your next action step when you've completed an action step. Okay. okay. In that right. moment. So. When you walk out of the merchant location, in that moment, you say, okay, hold on a second. This moment right now, this is when I have the most context and the best information to determine what, if anything, I should do next. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So in that moment, you start by asking a really important question, which is, are there any next action steps? Right? So if I sold them, well, now we're going to move into action steps around installation and things of that nature, but they're not on my pipeline anymore. They're probably now moving into some kind of other stage, right? So it's not part of my sales sure, pipeline because sure. it was closed, yes, but maybe it should be closed, no. Are they mm -hmm. actually interested or are they just wasting your time? Right. Um, you might need to pull them out of your pipeline and say, you know what? There are no next action steps. Well, there's no such thing as an active prospect without a next action step. Without a, yeah. That's called sure. closed no. That means they're not interested. You did not get them. That's fine. Move on to the next one, right? Right. Um, right. But when you have this habit where every time you walk out of the business or you get off of the phone call or you complete an action, you then in that moment say, okay, what is my next action step? And you determine that if there is one or not, you determine that first, then you, you put it in there. Well, this is the beautiful thing about this, Patty. If you follow that system, you never spend even a moment of your time trying to figure out what you need to do today. Right. Every day you log into your system, you say, well, what are the action steps that I need to do today? Mm -hmm. And you look at them on a list view if you want, and you might route your day based on that list, but you never say, oh, I feel like I'm forgetting something. You might feel like it, but you're not. Right, because right. if you followed what I just said, you're never going to forget anything. Because if you have a next action step, you're going to complete it. And when you complete it, you're going to schedule the next one or you're next going to market close. No. So you have this very clean closed loop system for follow-up. And then the, the other thing I love about this, Patty, is, is from the manager's perspective. Okay. Mm -hmm. From the manager's perspective, now all of a sudden managing follow-up becomes really simple. It's only two things you have to do. Number one, you need to run a report that says, are there any quote unquote active prospects without a next action step? Right. If so, you just reach out to the sales agent and say, Hey, I noticed you have XYZ plumbing company in here, but there's no next action step. What's going on with that? Oh, well, I was kind of waiting on them to hear back. Okay. Well, what are you going to do if they don't? Well, I guess I would do and then, Okay. Let's create the next action step. So enforcing right. there has to be a next action step. That's number one. And then number two is you have to read the next action steps that are in there. Um, on a, you know, once a week or whatever, do it like in a pipeline review. You say, well, what, are, you know, people always say, well, James, what's a, what does a good pipeline review look like? Fairly simple. A pipeline review is just you reading the next action steps with the person sitting there. That's it. Like, that's all you do. Yeah, and you read through them and say, does that make sense? Is that a good next action step? And it's like, well, you know what, that, that next action step sounds more like a wish list, you know? Um, right, right. I'm that, hoping that, that I'm hoping that they will reach out and sign up with me, you know, <laughs> like that's not an next action step, right? So 
right. you, you read through them and say, do we have robust action steps here that are going to be taken? And and if we do- And that are going to actually progress you along on your Exactly, path. exactly. And then in those pipeline reviews as a manager, you might read something, for instance, you might read an action step that says, follow up with Bill Thursday afternoon to talk about if, you know, if this point of sale or this point of sale is the right solution. That's your cue to reach out to that agent and say, hey, did you figure that out? Do you have any questions? What can we do? Right. So reading the next action steps will also help the, the manager to kind of zero in on the deals where maybe some additional involvement or support or tech support would be warranted. So follow that that process as an agent. You're never going to be stressed about your follow-up. You know exactly what you need to do. That's number one. And as a manager, just make sure your team is following what I just described, and you're going to find that your follow-up is extremely efficient and productive. This is the Insider's Report with Patty Murphy, brought to you by The Green Sheet. For nearly 40 years, The Green Sheet has been the go-to source for news, analysis, and educational tools that empower and connect payments professionals. If you're not reading The Green Sheet already, check it out on the web today at www.greensheet.com. So James, I want to do, um, you know, I, I haven't done what I, what I used to call data dumps because I think they're too big as a rule. Yes. But sure. I do think that there's some important statistics that come out from time to time sure. that help agents and ISOs, you know, sell better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have a better, you know, fix on the market. So I came across uh, this week a new report out of Fiserv um, that finds that cost-conscious consumers are are driving demand for omni-channel experiences, hmm. for retailer apps, and for embedded finance. Hmm. Okay. Which are three almost kind of disparate things in a, in a sense, yeah. you know, yeah. but but they all do kind of come together. Uh, fifty-nine percent for just as an example, fifty-nine percent, or you know, six out of ten, have used buy online, pick up at store in the past month. And I can tell you that was me, and I'm sure it was your wife as well, because I hate Wait, going to grocery. Yeah, you know, it's funny, Patty. We're, we're we don't even do the. Uh, you don't buy. even go pick up. <laughs> no, it's got to be delivery now. I'm 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 like I'm past the pickup. I'm sorry. I'm just not going to do that anymore. It's like, and I wish I was, but every time I do that, they're like, "You're too far outside." Yeah, of you live zone. in your in your cabin in the woods there, so you right, know, that's right. Problem. But, but yeah, no. For us, we're kind of like, you know what? If you're not going to deliver it, I, I don't I don't think we're going to do that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. here's a so this kind of goes with that because restaurants are the most uh, popular yeah. places, which yes. of course they're also the most popular places for delivery. Yes, absolutely. Wouldn't you think? I mean, absolutely. You know, followed by retailers and grocery stores. It's nearly ubiquitous, they say, with millennials and Gen Z. So there we have it. Yeah. Um, yep. You being kind of sort of a millennial. Um, right. Sure. I guess I'm would... a little bit past that, I guess. I don't know why. I just turned 40. Yeah, you're kind I'm... of on that cusp, you know? Yeah, I'm right yeah. there. I, I like to think I'm a millennial. That's my that's my. Yeah, mindset. I know you do. Maybe we'll call you a Gen Z just for the heck of it. Yeah, just to I, make it even seem younger, right? So it's I have a, I have a cousin who's, um, she's a little bit older than you. And when she was living with us, she used to say, uh, I'm Gen Y for why me? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right, right. So, well, you know, anyway, it's, interesting, go... it's interesting though, when you think about Patty, like, I'm always in shock when I see the early 20 something uh, team members we have here at CC sales pro in the, in the building when they DoorDash McDonald's or oh. Wendy's or something. And you're like, oh. 
Doesn't and, 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 and you have to understand, I mean, you can literally see it from the building. I, I mean, know. Like I've there. been in your it's offices. Right there, it's you know? like right across the field. But it's like, no, we're going to get that <laughs> delivered. And it's like, wow. You know, so yeah, I think it definitely that's uh, the, the trends are increasing. Uh, the younger, Oh, they definitely you know. are. My uh, my uh, 17 and 22-year-old niece and nephew yeah. are fond of ordering ice cream to be delivered. You know, I, I am guilty of that one, I will say. There's there's actually uh to, to me it's like guys, isn't it half melted by the time it gets to yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> we, we are we're uh, guilty of the uh, door dashing dairy queen. It happens to be close enough to the house that if we wanted a little ice cream thing and we got the babies and it's just me at the well, house. Well, you do have the out. babies. I mean, that's a lot to put everybody into the car. I mean, it my is, parents used to do that with us and it was a yeah. pain. It's, it's a little everybody... melty, but you know, you just gotta you live with it and uh, for the trade off of the convenience, you know. So. Right, 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 right. Okay, so let's get back to some of my stats. Yes. Uh, consumers really big into comparison shopping. Um, 46% of consumers who ordered from a retailer app had already searched on a third-party app. Um, wow, that's interesting. That's very interesting, I think, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, when shopping via apps, 44% of consumers say they prefer the retailer apps over third-party apps. Because sure. they tend to order better pricing, offer better pricing. Hmm. Interesting. I, I prefer them because they um, seem to be less of a hassle. Uh, you know, like that's my that, preference too. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, we'll I, do it. Like, it is interesting. I, well, I was thinking about that. I'm like, I actually have done the uh, purchase on the app and then pick up at the store with, um, um, oh, what is the electronics place? I read all of a sudden. Oh, Best, Best Buy. Buy. Yeah. I do that with Best Buy a lot for any of our company type stuff or tech mm -hmm. stuff. So, yeah. 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 Sure. So, um, you know, obviously, ease of use is a really important attribute sure. for an app, um, uh, followed by ability to pay in-app, mm, yeah. integration with loyalty programs, and as you said, uh, ability to pick up at store or to have it delivered. Yeah. Um, hmm. The Pfizer survey, which was based on an April survey of 2,200 adult Americans, also explored this uh, trend towards embedded finance, which I find really intriguing, the whole concept mm. of embedded finance. Yeah. You know, basically, it embedded finance is the integration of financial products with a non-financial customer experience. So, you know, think of buy now, pay later, mm. um, you know, or yeah. online food ordering. You sure. Know. Um, so two popular opportunities for embedded finance, um, according to Pfizer, include instant issuance of digital cards at checkout mm. and the ability for consumers to choose their bank accounts as a payment option. Now, this goes back to what we discussed about Zelle and FedNow and, you know, right, right. that whole thing. And, and I was really surprised. 60, um, excuse me, let me see. 34% had used a pay-by-bank option at, the, at a merchant checkout in the last year. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's um, actually really interesting. I'm trying to think of how that would even work. What is what is that? When they say pay by because bank. you're using your, in my mind, I, the way that would work is you're paying by Venmo or Zelle. Hmm. I guess I didn't even realize. See, I'm I don't I'm not a big Venmo or Zelle, even Cash App. I, for some reason, I've just never really gotten into Cash that. Cash App, I don't even understand, but Venmo and and Bell and Zelle, I do use. I prefer Venmo just because it's easier, hmm. but. Um, and so a I lot know, of merchants are accepting that now. I'm surprised. Yeah, I was driving my my young niece to um to work a couple months ago, and she said, and she's like, "Hey, can we stop at such and such a sandwich shop on the way?" I'm like, "Okay." She's like, "Do you think they'll take Venmo?" I'm like, 
well, if oh. they don't, I guess I'll cover your sandwich for you, you know? Right, but, right. But I said, do a lot of merchants? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, where she goes to school, all the local merchants take fentanyl because wow. the kids all, you know. And I know we, 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 we've seen that trend. I mean, even in um, you know a lot of the popular terminals uh, now. Mm-hmm have mm-hmm. uh you know have this option to be able to accept venmo or zelle on the on the device you know as a separate like button you can click and then they can do their zelle or venmo yeah yeah and i think one of the reasons you know pay by bank is going to become popular you know more popular i mean right now they say high income earners are the biggest users but right i think it's going to go down market as consumers um I mean, their preferences, as they describe their, their reasons for liking it in descending order, it's the consumer protections, the debt right. avoidance, and the ease of use. Mm. Yeah. I think, and I Patty, think... Uh, just an interesting, I think on our on our show today, we've talked about two of what I consider to be the most interesting trends. You know, one of them is this whole mobile phone thing and, and how right. that's going to play, uh, you right. know, relative to the point of sale. But the other one I think um, that, that always shocks me a little bit is, as an industry, we've been so focused on the threat, the external threat of other card processing providers. Right. But we just haven't really been, I've talked about it many times, but we just haven't, nobody I've talked to in our industry is talking to me about our share of the pie. Nobody's talking about DoorDash is eating into my residuals or Uber Eats or Zelle or Venmo or whatever. Um, and I think what's interesting is I, I I feel like I'm not sure which of those threats actually scares me more because I, I think mm-hmm. what's interesting to me is the external stuff. It seems more solvable. It seems more like, well, as long as we get into software as well, we can pivot, we can transition. But it's like, what do we do about the fact that we don't make any money on Zelle and Venmo? I, I don't really know what to do about that yet. You know right. what I mean? Or, 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 or DoorDash or Uber Eats. Like, I, what do you, I mean, I know we could, you know, they, they can offer their own, but it's like, that's an interesting trend of like our pie is getting smaller, you know? It is. And I think, you know, you talk about Venmo and Zelle, and as we've said before, FedNow. I right. mean, FedNow is really going to, I think it's going to sideline Venmo and Zelle to a certain extent. Hmm. Um, or, or, it'll be, or it'll be what they, or it'll be the rails that they run on. Or it'll be the rails that they run on. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but but it'll be. I think it's gonna be very interesting to see how the whole thing plays out, just as far as piece of the pie. I think that's and it's, and again, it's another reason why I'm so bullish on getting into software. Oh, of course, yeah. As you're getting into the software play, you can make money on the software and not just the, the pie is bigger. Yeah, and so you you at, at least at, at least if you own the software, at least you control the pie. So you're like, well, we need to make Venmo and Zelle acceptance available because of the vertical we're serving. Well, sure, right, we get that. But you could say, well, we're charging $10 a month for Venmo and Zelle acceptance or whatever. Like you control that pie and I think that's just really important. Yeah, I I think you're right, I think you're right. So anyway, my bottom line here, I think the message that we've just discussed is that there's lots of opportunities. Um, Yeah. You know, we just have to make sure we place the right bets. Yeah, good stuff, Patty. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production of Greensheet.com and CCSalesPro.com. And we hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.